0: Good morning, you guys, and welcome. It's Wednesday. That means you're halfway through your week already, I'm sorry to say. I know. I hope it's been going great. I just got back from a big trip. I just got back into the country, and I'm so glad to be back here with you guys, back at one of my favorite places in the whole entire world. Okay, we're going to talk about trees. Who knows what the largest living thing in the world is? How'd you guess? You're so smart. Who knows that it's 16 miles away from here? Isn't that amazing? Who knows what it's called? Yes, it's a sequoia tree. And do you know, in the national park, they named them... Oh... My husband and I are in this picture really little. See how little we look next to these sequoia trees? These sequoia trees are just down 10-mile road. You can hike out to these. They're not in the national park, so you get to get up really close to them. But look how little we look next to those trees. That's my husband, Eric, who's not here this week, but he's preaching at Hume, New England, and he's having an awesome week there with kids from Massachusetts and Connecticut and New Hampshire. Anyway, it's only 16 miles from here, the General Sherman tree. Kate. You guys should ask your youth pastors, can we swing by the General Sherman tree on the way home? And if they say no, then just know it has to go on your bucket list because this is the largest living thing. Not the tallest necessarily, but the largest. The mass of this tree is amazing. I actually have the wrong height listed here. I think it's 275 feet tall, but it's 35 feet wide. It's not far from here at all. And here's something that makes these sequoia trees so amazing. They only grow here. There's there are other there's another grove of sequoia trees in Europe, but those were brought from here and planted there. They only grow naturally here. It's an amazing wonder that our amazing God made. And why? Why did God make sequoia trees? Say it louder. To glorify himself. Everything he made, he made to glorify himself. And how does that happen? It happens because the things he made should point us to him. So we see a tree. We look up at this glorious tree, and it points us to the Lord. And we say, God, you must be amazing that you can make something like this. They only grow here. They only grow in this 260-mile stretch on the western side of the Sierra Nevada where the temperature is just right, the soil is just right, the sun is just right. And so that's why when you go and you stand next to this tree, you hear people speaking every language. And it's because they come from all over the world to see this. And yet, how many of us in California don't live that far and just haven't gotten there yet? So I encourage you to get there. Get there. They are amazing. Well, did you know that the Bible has so much to say about trees? I've been geeking out this whole year about trees in the Bible, and I'm really excited to tell you about some of the things that I've learned so that hopefully you can geek out and you can learn things on your own too. But do you know in the beginning, what did God do? He planted a garden full of trees. Listen to this from Genesis 2. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, And there he put the man who he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of the life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So I think we can picture this garden full of trees, all different kind of trees, all pleasant to the eyes, all good to eat from. And I think we can picture that we have this tree of life in the middle of the garden. And we also have this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What does God tell Adam and Eve about the tree of life? Or, sorry, what does he tell them about the, knowledge of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Who knows what he t- told Adam and Eve, told Adam in particular? Not to eat from it. Not to eat from it. Yes, so here are these trees that God gave to Adam and Eve to, it says, to work the garden, to nurture it. It was their job to take care of these trees, and he gave them one instruction. They could eat from all of them except for the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. God tells them, do not eat. Now, the tree of life I think it's safe to assume, because I've read this by reputable theologians, that the tree of life probably had fruit that wasn't ready yet. And Adam and Eve were told to wait on that. Wait. That the promise that the tree of life held out was for later, if they would obey by not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think we can assume that these trees didn't necessarily look different from the other trees. It just is that God gave them instructions specifically about these. So I don't think they would look at it and say, Oh, obviously that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We want to stay away from that. No, I think they kind of all look the same. But God gave them special instructions that they were to obey. You will be blessed by the tree of life later if you obey now by not eating at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? What did Eve do? Yeah, she took from this tree, didn't she? The, tr- the one tree that God told her not to take from, she did. And she offers it to Adam, and they both eat. And what happens when they both eat? Who knows? It's not a trick question. What happens when they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Yeah, it, well, the Lord tells them they will surely die. So they get some kind of knowledge that causes some kind of death, don't they? But it says, the Bible says they're banished. They're now banished from the garden. The very place where they communed with the Lord, it said they walked with God in the garden in the cool of the day. Unhindered relationship, beautiful Communion with nothing separating them from God. That's what they had, and that's what they lost when they ate. That's the death they, they experienced when they ate. They were banished from that garden, no longer had that unhindered relationship with their father. And the tree of life at that point became guarded. We're told it was guarded by angels with flaming swords. There was no way that they could get back to that tree of life, which offered life, full, abundant, forever life. It's what ultimately they wanted, we all want. They couldn't get back to it. They were banished, and that tree was guarded. And some people say that we can think about the whole rest of the Bible as a struggle to get back to the tree of life. A struggle to get back to what Adam and Eve had been given a glimpse of, but they said no to it when they took the fruit. The tree of life would have been a reward for loyalty had they been loyal. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was their test, was the test of loyalty. And they failed the test. Their choice to disobey God and to eat the fruit related in curse, alienation, hiding, and death. And now the way to the tree of life, the thing they were made for, the thing they longed for, Was closed to them. So, how long would they, how long would we have to wait to get back to the tree of life and to have this unhindered relationship with the Creator? Well, did you know that we see the tree of life again in the Bible? I actually heard somebody, Grant, was it you when I was walking down here and you said, there's the tree of life in Genesis, there's the tree of life in Revelation. Yeah, he should be up here right now. Biola grad. He knows everything he needs to know. My husband and I teach at Biola. We love it. So we're, we're extra proud of our grads. Um, right? Um, the, did you know that the tree of life shows up again in Revelation? Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, And of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And also, on either side of the river, the tree of life. Listen to this. With its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the very leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This tree has changed from what we saw in Genesis. Guys, when you read your Bible... Look for connections, look for connections. This, we saw the tree of life in the very beginning, we see the tree of life at the very end and all throughout scripture there are trees that teach significant things and where significant things happen and we only have 30 minutes so we can't go into it all but it's awesome to study it, do it on your own but look for connections when you read the Bible. It's not by accident that we see the tree of life twice. It's different, it has changed, Whoop, going back. In Genesis, it was in one place in the midst of this garden. Now it seems to have expanded. It's on either side of the river. We can't even picture what that looks like to have a tree on both sides of the river. Someday we will. Someday we'll get that. It was in Genesis, it was pleasant to the sight. It was good for food. But now, but in Genesis, the fruit wasn't ready yet. Adam and Eve were told to wait for the fruit. Now Twelve kinds of fruit every month, always ready, always available, always delicious, always satisfying, never not ripe enough. You know when you bite into a peach and it's, not, it's hard, it's not ripe enough? In Revelation, the tree of life is available year-round. And it tells us that the very leaves of this tree heal the nation's The tree of life in Genesis would have given life to Adam and Eve. Now, at the end of the Bible, this vision that John has of what's to come, the very leaves give life to the nations, everyone that God has created. It's available to everyone. That God has created. And the tree of life in Genesis was a place of testing, as we said. And here, it's a place of worship, we're told. People, God's people, will worship under the tree of life. Well, how do we get there? Adam and Eve were banned. We were banned. It was guarded. Because Adam and Eve sinned, and in them we sinned. And that unhindered relationship we have with God is no longer a reality. How do we get here? We get here through another tree. The tree on which Jesus hung to take care of sin once and for all. Do you know in the Bible that the cross is called a tree in a couple different places? 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. And in Acts 13, it says, they, they took him down. They took Jesus down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. The cross was made of wood, but I think the scriptures intentionally call it a tree to help us make the connections. And so this seemingly impossible sin problem that occurred at the first tree in Genesis was solved at the second tree by Jesus, so that we could have life in the third tree in Revelation. You maybe have heard Jesus called the second Adam in some sermons or something you've read, but Jesus is often called the second Adam because, like Adam, Jesus was tested. He was tested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he even asked the Lord if the Lord would take, take this cup from him. He, he didn't want the hard thing that God was asking him to do, but he submitted himself to the Father, didn't he? And he passed the test. He passed that test at his tree. And he said yes to the Father's plan. And he died on a tree for us to take care of sin it goes all the way back to Genesis. Do you know in Deuteronomy, it tells us that him, uh, criminals, criminals were hung to die on trees. Dying on a tree was a public sign of curse. And Jesus was punished by people, but he was cursed by God. Isaiah 53 tells us it was the will of the Lord to crush him for you. He took on our punishment of sin on a tree so that the way to the tree of life would be open to us. We were banished. The tree of life was guarded. But if we place our faith in Jesus, we have forgiveness. And therefore, the way to that tree of life is open to us. And we will drink of the river of life and eat freely from the tree of life of life when we put our faith in him, not, no longer needing to grasp for fruit that we are told will bring death, but waiting for what God has for us in the tree of life and in God's timing. One theologian says that the tree of life, it gives life, it's forever feeding, it's forever healing, and it's Christ himself. In him was life, John tells us in chapter 1. And Jesus himself says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. We have to feed on the atoning death of Jesus as our very life and find ourselves under and in this tree For that's where our life is truly found. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That is real life. And do you know that when we put our life in Christ, we ourselves become like a tree. Psalm 1 says, and other places too, but Psalm 1, the righteous man is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all he does he prospers. The The wicked are not so. They are like chaff and they dry up and they fly away. They're blown away in the wind. But the righteous man is like a tree planted in streams of water that yields fruit. So you become like a tree when you're in Christ and you bear fruit and you will prosper and you will not wither. That's awesome that God makes us like himself in that way that we then can provide for other people. We then can water, nurture other people. That we, and when we are in Christ, will not dry up and wither and blow away in the wind that will come. Well, if we are like trees, and the Bible says we are, then I think that there's some really important lessons that we can learn from trees. And here's one. I want you to look at this cool picture. So this is just a a drawing of trees to show the way that root systems are interconnected. And I love this idea because I think it's really important that we think about ourselves this way. If you notice the yellow dots in this drawing, they represent um, nutrients, Water, sunshine, the things that trees need to thrive. And as you can see, the trees out to the right and the left are not receiving direct sunlight, right? The sun is in the middle and it's coming down. It's hitting that central tree. But then those little yellow dots show us that the the sunshine, the nutrients that come from the sun are traveling down that tree, through the root system, to other roots and up into other trees. This is how God made trees. They feed one another. They nurture one another. Here's what I want to say about this. We are so like that. We like to think that we're independent and we can stand on our own and do our own things. Trees can't. Trees that get disconnected from the root systems that are all intertwined and sharing often die. And it's true for us as well. We have to stay connected to God's people. God's provision for us is his church. God's provision for you when things are hard, when you feel dried up and doubting, is to hopefully have that deep connection, that root system already in place so that you can hold each other up. You can nurture one another. You can say, you know what? I'm feeling strong today. I read my Bible today. Let me share with you. Let me share a little yellow dot. all, All the way over to you over here to help nurture you. This is how God intends us to live. And the way we do it is to go deep in the life of the church and stay there. Do not believe the lie that a strong person is an independent person independent of God's people. That is not how God made you, and it's not how he intends for you to live. He wants us to be deeply connected. I will tell you, I have this group of friends. They've been my friends for 20 years, and we get together for dinner twice a month, which is not an easy thing to do. It is not an easy thing to schedule dinner together Between us, I I should have counted, but I don't know. We have like 30 kids between us. It is not an easy thing for us to get away from our families and go have dinner with this group of seven women. But I will tell you after 20 years of being good friends with these women that we go through times. One of us is suffering. The other ones hold us up. She gets through that. It's someone else's turn to go through some suffering. And everybody holds her up. And I'll tell you, two years ago it was my turn. And I... There were mornings when I didn't know if I could get out of bed. My friends, I could not have gone through without my friends. The Lord using them in my life to feed my family and pray for me and share scripture with me when I was doubting. This is how God takes care of us, through the root system of his people in his church. Okay, here's one other thing I want to tell you about. This is called Biosphere 2. Some of you maybe learned about this in school, but... <clears throat> it's a cool big experiment that they do, that they are doing in um, Arizona that they've been doing for years where they plant all kinds of trees and plants within these domes to try to study them, to figure out how they thrive, what they need, what they don't. Here's what they learned after having trees in here for years. Many of them, the trees, didn't ne- they never thrived. They either died or they never grew to full height or they would just lean over. And they're like, what is going on? We're providing everything we believe that these trees need. Why are they not thriving? And do you know what they concluded? Trees need wind. There's something that happens when the wind blows, and the trees do this, that some chemical thing that happens in the bark that makes it get really strong. And that's what a tree, one of the things a tree needs to survive. Do you ever feel like the hard things in your life just come one thing after another and you just feel like you're bending in the wind and you're going to fall over and you don't know how you're going to stay standing? I think sometimes God allows the hard things because they make us stronger. But here's the thing. We need that. We need the roots in place so we don't fall over. God wants you to be like the righteous person who's thriving and prospering in Psalm 1. And this is how we do it. We're deeply connected to God's people. We hold one another up. We're honest about the hard things that happen. We're available when other people are going through hard things. We make ourselves available and help hold them up. We like trees and God wants us to live into that and not fight against it you guys here's something I've learned about trees about in the Bible this year God over and over and over look for it God does significant things in people's lives on high places near trees and guess where you are this week (laughs) You're not only in a high place near cool trees because these cedars are cool and these firs are cool, but you are near, I think, the coolest trees in the whole world that God made. God wants to do something significant in your life this week in a high place near trees. So open yourself up to him and let him do that. God, thank you for these men and women. Thank you for bringing them here. Thank you that You always, God, do significant things here at Hume Lake, and we pray this week would be no different. Help us to look with wonder at your word, and thank you that it always points us to you, and may we always seek to see you, even as we look at trees. In Jesus' name, amen.